Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities Podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. Well, we have been in a series here for a couple of weeks, well, several weeks, entitled, What If? And the series is really about all of us asking a lot of what if questions. That is, what if I'm pursuing the wrong direction in life or have the wrong beliefs about God or how he works? What if I have the wrong understanding, the wrong perspective, and somehow my life is on a course that is not truly what God would desire? And a few weeks ago, we talked about, well, what if I'm wrong? Especially, what if I'm wrong about my understanding of God and how I'm going about pursuing, a, pursuing life from the standpoint of walking with him? Because I gave the example of the Apostle Paul, who was Saul before he encountered Christ. And before he encountered Christ, he was certain he was right. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees, persecuting the church, certain he was right but he was completely wrong. Then after he had an encounter with Christ, he had a radical change, not only in his inner being, but in his understanding. And he recognized he had been wrong. Now he knew what was right, but he handled what was right with much more care and concern for people. And so that's where we were last week in addressing the question, well, what if I'm right? What if I really do know what the truth is? I really do know Christ. I know how to walk with him. I understand this life well. I understand a perspective from God's standpoint. And I encounter a lot of people who disagree or who are living a sinful lifestyle or who are way outside of God's will. How do I relate to them? And I think too much of the church thinking that it was right has related to the population with rejection and condemnation. And then where we're going now in society is the church has become more like the culture, at least in this country, where the church has acquiesced to trends and things going on in the world around us rather than standing in truth, so that rather than being a beacon of truth for Everyone around us, the church has been a place of condoning sin, largely. And so largely what I was talking about last week is, well, if I'm right, in knowing what is the truth, how then do I address people who are far from that? That is, I don't stand in condemnation. I don't condone that which is evil. I address anyone and everyone with grace, mercy, concern, trying to reach them where they are. That's what the Apostle Paul said that he did, and he became all things to all people to reach some, that he would address any person where they were in that context, in that moment, to bring forth the truth of Christ. And so maybe you know what is right in a culture that seems to declare everything wrong. That is, we live in a culture that declares evil good and good evil, 
And maybe you clearly know what is morally right before God, but how you bring that truth to somebody else is very important because I can know what is right and handle it wrongly. It is important that you and I address anyone and everyone, regardless of their lifestyle, with love, grace, and mercy. Now, where I want to go this week is to talk about the subject of, what if I'm broken? Now, in making that statement or that question, what if I'm broken, that probably means a lot of different things to different people here. Because one's brokenness can come from a lot of different places in this life's journey. Some of you have experienced brokenness because of the family that you originated in. Or maybe some of you didn't even really have a family that you originated in, that you bounced around from different places and finally settled in some place. Maybe some of you had a family that was filled with abuse, whether physical, verbal. Maybe some of you were children of alcoholics. Some of you may have been rejected early. Maybe you experienced some type of brokenness from your peers when you were a young person, that you were ostracized, made fun of, really deeply hurt. Maybe your brokenness is a consequence of some of the choices you've made early in life. You were blinded, didn't really know what you were doing, and it led to pain and anguish for yourself and maybe for others around you. Maybe some of your brokenness came as the consequence of others' sin against you. Maybe you were abused sexually, taken advantage of, deeply wounded. As you go through life's journey, I think it is essentially impossible to avoid some brokenness. Now, I'm sure in this room, there is a wide array of what that looks like. On a scale of one to 10, there are probably some people in this room that their brokenness is nine or 10 but hopefully their healing has been equally as much. For some of you, maybe the brokenness you've experienced has been somewhat mild and you wouldn't say it's been a really difficult journey. But there is the question of what does anyone and everyone do with the brokenness they've experienced in life? I think a lot of people just try to hide it they don't want others to know the things that have happened in my journey. Sort of stuff it, lock it away, keep it a secret. I don't know how many times I've had someone come and talk with me and say, I've never told anybody this. Some deep wound in their soul that they've just tried to keep in the background, but it had eaten at their soul for years. Some people just try to hide it. Some people escape from it, sometimes into an addiction or something of that nature. Sometimes their escape is just to become a workaholic and try to accomplish things in this life. In the modern era, pornography has become a very popular escape because of its prevalence and ease of access, which wasn't there just a few generations ago. 
Some people run from one relationship to another trying to deal with their brokenness and just multiply it, add to it. Some people hold bitterness and anger toward God about their brokenness. They blame him. In fact, I, I think a lot of people who declare themselves atheistic are really people who are angry at God over something that has happened in their life and they're bitter about it. And declaring themselves an atheist is essentially a way of getting back at God. So here's my question. What is the brokenness in your life? If you were to stop and answer that question, what is the brokenness in your life? Now, I know for me, I could make a list pretty quickly of the major things and then some smaller things. And then the second part of that question is, is there any brokenness in your life that is unresolved, unhealed, that still adversely affects your course of life? And what are you doing with it, if anything? We'll go over to the book of Psalms to address this question. This is written by King David later in his life after he had committed the sin with Bathsheba. You know, David as a young man slew Goliath. He was victorious in battle. He was recognized as such. God anointed him to be king of Israel. Of course, probably one of his first areas of brokenness occurred when he was anointed to be king of Israel and then Saul wanted to kill him so that he couldn't take his position. He had to flee and hide. But eventually he became king. He lived in the, probably the time when the nation of Israel was at its strongest and David was the most profound man among them. And yet, at the height of his success, he failed miserably by taking Bathsheba in adultery and then having her husband murdered, killed in battle, but really it was murder. And God forgave him, but there was a judgment that was upon him, and part of the judgment was that there would be this difficulty that would pervade in his household. And if you know the story of his family thereafter, there was sexual sin that mirrored what he had done. There was even murder within the household, which mirrored what he had done. And so there were consequences to it. And later in life, he wrote this psalm and he said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Now, undoubtedly, what's going on when he's writing this is that he is dwelling upon the brokenness of his past. And notice I entitled this little section, Self-Inflicted Brokenness. Because his own personal sin inflicted upon him the deepest level of brokenness that we seem to encounter in his life. And for many of us, that is true. For many people in this room, 
the greatest brokenness in your life was self-inflicted. I would say that for myself. That the worst mistakes of my life led to the worst consequences and the deepest level of brokenness. And he's dwelling upon this and he's saying, oh Lord, please wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He doesn't sound like a king on his throne ruling over the nation. He sounds like a broken man on his knees crying out, God, please take away my sin. See, there's a clear consequence and he's experiencing it in his own soul. He goes on to say, for I know my transgression, my sin is always before me. Some of you know exactly what that means. That it's like day in and day out, you cannot escape the sin of your past. It's always before you, always weighing upon your soul, always weighing down your soul. And then he says, God against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. That you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. That God is just, pure, holy, righteous, and he is justified when he judges any one of us. And as I've said often, judgment is an act of love. I am thankful for judgment that came into my life because it's God confronting you with the darkness of your own sin, not to condemn you, but to bring you from it. But in this case, he knows that he's sinned against God and you and I need to recognize that even though we might sin against other people and harm them significantly, primarily and ultimately all of our sin is against God himself was having a, a very healthy conversation with a young man recently and he was talking about other people that he had encountered and one of the struggles they have with Christianity is how could God judge people and send them to hell if they are good people? He was basically looking at this world and saying, there are good people out there doing good things and how could God judge them just because they don't know Christ? And what I tried to explain to him is the context of how people look at what is good. In other words, you and I live in a fallen world. We have been affected by sin. Our perspective is a consequence of that. And so when we look and see what is good, we say, well, yeah, there seem to be some people who are very good and some who are pretty good and some who are not so good and some who are terribly wicked. And we think, some of those people, the really wicked ones, maybe they deserve hell, but most of the good ones do not. The problem is we're identifying what is good and what is not based on the context of a fallen world. And God is looking at what is pure and holy and righteous at a level that none of us can really perceive. That in heaven there'll be no sin whatsoever, that God's will will be perfectly done. And when you compare the holiness and righteousness of God with this world, you know that there is none who is sinless, 
no one who is good, that in fact it's not just a few people who deserve the judgment of being banished from God's presence, it's all of us. And when you get an understanding that all of us deserve his just judgment, and you understand the darkness of your own soul, that's what's going on with King David here. He's understanding the darkness of his own soul very, very clearly, and he's crying out desperately, God, only you can deliver me. And it's a problem that is pervasive to all of us because there's no one in this room who is not broken. Now, not everyone, particularly the youngest among us, not everyone here has experienced brokenness. But everyone is broken. Because in the very next verse, he declares this, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That he's aware of what we would call original sin. That it started with Adam and Eve. It's been passed down through every generation. It's been confirmed by every person. And he's recognizing that there was something in his own soul from the time he was a child that was rebellious against God, opposed to him, wanting to do one's own will rather than God's will. And probably what David recognized was that when he became a person of power and influence and great means, it gave him the opportunity to act upon his sin nature in a way that was completely without control. In other words, if you were a lowly person in the army of David, you had to report to a lot of people and say yes to a lot of people and there were certain things you could and could not do. But when you're the king, you can first take another man's wife and have other people go and get her and bring her into the palace. That's what he did with Bathsheba. And even though people around him said, isn't this the wife of another man? He ignored it. And then the most wicked thing he did was gave orders to her husband that he carried with him to the front line, gave to the officer, and the orders said, when the battle is intense, leave him at the front and withdraw so that he is killed. Think of the wickedness of that. And you see, what happened was King David was in such a powerful, influential position that the darkness of his soul could manifest at a very, very high level. And that's why he realizes, oh, there was something in me from the time I was born that has not been good. See, every person here is broken. And the declaration of God is, he is your healer. It's the only way to deal with your brokenness. First, the brokenness that comes from your sin nature, the only way to deal with it is come before the, before the cross of Christ and find forgiveness, healing, and wholeness. The brokenness of your journey of life, the only way to deal with it is come before God, lay it out before him, cry out like David is crying about, out about his own sin, that he would be your healer. See, the person who is angry with God, excuse me a second, Perhaps that's soft. Am I back on? Am I better than I was? 
It's only so much to work with. It's a broken world. Good point. <laughs> Sometimes it's a broken technological world. But the only way to deal with your brokenness is to bring it before Christ. Now David experienced not only brokenness that was his own fault, but brokenness that was inflicted upon him by others. This is Psalm 3, also written by David later in his life. And he says, oh Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? How many are saying to me, God will not deliver me? But he then says, Lord, you're my shield. I cry out to you. In other words, he's under great distress. There are many who are after him, opposed to him. He's crying out to God for protection, hope, deliverance. Then he begins the answer and he says, I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me because I trust in you that you are my deliverer. But what's so interesting and sad is that he's writing this because who is opposed to him? It's his own son. It's Absalom. Absalom, his own son, is in rebellion and wants to overthrow his own father and take him from the throne to the point of being willing to kill him. Now, it's one thing for your child to rebel and leave home and go off and do some foolish things. It's another for them to rebel and turn against you, which does happen sometimes, sadly. And in this case, David is experiencing his own son, who he does love, who is in rebellion against him. Ultimately, if you know the story, Absalom does try to take the throne, but then Absalom himself is essentially hung. He catch, he's caught on a tree and he's trapped there and he, he dies. And when David finds out about it, David is in deep grief and agony over his own son, even though his son was trying to take his life. Because messengers had come to David and said, look, the nation of Israel is with Absalom and he had to flee the city of Jerusalem the city called the city of David. He had to flee it at one point. But then he ends up grieving, brokenness yet again in his life. Sometimes our brokenness is self-inflicted. Sometimes it's inflicted by others. And probably for most of us, there's been a significant portion of brokenness inflicted by somebody else. Maybe somebody who deserted you, somebody who let you down, somebody who rejected you, somebody who took advantage of you, manipulated you, hurt you in some way. Almost all of us have experienced something like that. And see, the question is, well, what do I do with it? How do I deal with it? Well, going back to Psalm 51, this is what David said. He said, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. In other words, in your soul, God desires that you and I would know truth, live by truth, and walk through it each day. He says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. In other words, he's crying out. He recognizes who God is. He's saying, Lord, you're the one 
who can instill truth in my soul that I walk with you and cleanse all that is evil. Now, it's not just in my mind that David has an understanding about some things. I think it's more than that, that the spirit of God is upon him to enlighten him because what he writes here is essentially the New Testament gospel of Christ. Because he's crying out, Lord, you can cleanse me, only you. That I can be whiter than snow once again. Purity, holiness. He says, let me hear joy and gladness. Obviously, in his brokenness, in his distress, it had been some time since he had experienced real joy and real gladness. And he's like, Lord, could you give that back to me? Maybe not give it back as much as give it anew, something fresh. He goes on and says, let the bones that you have crushed rejoice yet again. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit. Don't cast your presence from me. Now, what do you do with your brokenness? Do you hide it? Do you escape from it? Do you walk in bitterness and blame others? The only thing you can do with your brokenness that is really, really healthy is desperately bring it before Christ. For the brokenness that is self-inflicted, you come asking for forgiveness, for renewal, for healing. And to any person who comes in that way, he promises to forgive, to wash you whiter in snow, to cleanse you, to make you pure and holy. If it's inflicted by somebody else, the forgiveness that you receive in bringing your brokenness before Christ is the forgiveness that you must turn and offer to others. You see, if you choose not to be forgiving of others, it is going to be a barrier to the healing of your own brokenness. Lots of people hold bitterness and anger against others and are unwilling to forgive, but what you are really doing is creating a barrier in your own soul to healing from your own brokenness. If you want to be healed from the brokenness of your life, you must be a person who not only receives forgiveness, but in turn gives it to others. You come desperately before him, honestly before him, not trying to hide, not playing religious games, knowing that you're a broken and fallen person. and embracing the magnitude of the glory and goodness and forgiveness of God. I don't know why you come to worship, but one of the reasons I enjoy musical worship is because I've felt like King David in the things he's written and I've grasped the goodness, mercy, and grace, and forgiveness of God, and my heart wants to express back to him thanksgiving. 
that worship is not a duty, an obligation. Worship is an opportunity to say thank you for healing my brokenness. Now, your brokenness might always be a part of your story. It will be. But what goes along with that story is the healing of God. For some people, the only story they have is their brokenness and there's not the compatible healing. Because things of our past, like King David's, can't be erased. But what can be the story, the declaration, is the goodness and healing and forgiveness of God and how you have extended that same goodness, healing, and forgiveness to others. This is why I was talking last week. You might be right about what is true, but it is healthy to remind yourself of how broken you are in order that you might embrace others who are broken and have not yet found healing. He says, don't cast your presence from me and don't take your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant to me a willing spirit to sustain me. Sounds like the New Testament, doesn't it? See, God has given him an understanding of the grace and mercy and forgiveness that comes through Christ. He's just looking forward to it. We can have the advantage of looking back to what Christ did, but both, in both cases, salvation is the same. It's in Christ and Christ alone. And then he finishes with this. He says, then, continuing in the very same psalm, he says, then I will teach transgress transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. In other words, once you find healing, then he says, go and help others find the same thing. Go anywhere and everywhere, that's what the Apostle Paul was doing, becoming anything he could to anybody in order to help them find healing. Go and help others find the same healing that you've experienced. In fact, as you do that, as you help others find healing, it will increase and enhance the healing in your own soul. He says, save me from blood guilt. David had blood guilt. That, that is the blood of other people's lives on his hands. But he says, God, you're the one who saves. He says, as you do so, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. In other words, he will declare and worship. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. He said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. See, the good brokenness of life, the good brokenness of life is where you are broken of your self-centeredness, your rebellion, your self-will, your desire for independence, all the things that make you an enemy of God. And when that brokenness occurs and you come before him and pour your life out, asking for mercy and grace, he willingly extends it. He brings healing to you. He brings forgiveness where you need it. He then turns and asks you to be an agent of healing and forgiveness for others. That brokenness may be part of your story, 
I mean, I could just look around the room and see the brokenness of so many lives here. But the other part of your story is the healing of God. And see, the question really to conclude would be this. Has God's healing, mercy, and grace come to the point of fully bringing renewal and wholeness to your brokenness? Are you still trying to deal with some of your brokenness in your own strength, in your own flesh, with your own escape? Or are you bringing it before him? And if you have experienced the healing that comes through Christ, are you then in turn an agent of healing to others? I think it's my personal heart's desire to sort of be a stretcher bearer or a traffic cop, pointing people in the right direction, particularly the broken and wounded. Because really, it's not a question of what if I'm broken. It's more of a question of how am I broken? And have I really allowed God to bring healing and restoration in my life? Let me say that as long as you try to hide it, your brokenness that is, you won't find healing. You have to talk to somebody, certainly to the Lord, but to a wise person, someone you can trust, someone you respect, someone who will handle your brokenness with care and gentleness. And it's amazing how just talking to somebody, even if they don't say a word, if they're just good listeners, can bring healing and wholeness to you. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon each and every person here for healing and wholeness. That you might bring forgiveness, mercy, and grace to the brokenness of each one of us. Lord, to those who right now feel desperately broken, that they would cling to you, run to you like King David was doing. Find the goodness of your mercy. For all of us, Lord, that we would always be people who extend healing to the broken. I pray this in Christ's name. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org and make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.